Hello, everybody. Second time today, if you're watching the stream and if you're listening on the podcast, uh, welcome to uh, White Life Fever Kicks, which is our rugby league podcast. And you could be watching or listening any number of other ways. So thanks for joining us. Um, great, sorry about the voice. Uh, hopefully it'll improve as the day goes on. I uh, just want to uh, uh, welcome our amazing guests. We had to put it back a couple of times. Uh, my fault, uh, at least once anyway. Uh, and, um, and then I got the time wrong this morning, but we're here. Um, Mark Carroll and his biographer, do you like the sound of that? Adam Hawes. How are you guys? Good, Stevie. I'll take that one. Yeah, no, he uh, deserves that comment too, mate. But great to be on this uh, fantastic show, mate. Been waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, guys, uh, you've been um, doing the rounds of the press for the new book, uh, Spud. Um, What, you know, a lot of these biographies tend to come out when guys are still playing to kind of cash in a little bit, or just after they stop playing. Um, no offence, Spud, but you didn't retire yesterday. So why now? Why, why now? Well, I've been retired, yeah, 21 years. I've always wanted to write a book. I thought I'd always write one uh, with Paul Harrigan, uh, but he never got around to it and didn't want to do it. So I remember it was probably two or three years ago, Horsey was doing some Fox stuff and I was doing some panel work with him and and we just spoke about writing a book. And when Buddy COVID hit, he, um, he got in touch with me. He said, I think you should do this. And we sat down. I'll tell you what, it was exhilarating. Um, I'd go down to the, uh, where I live at Bayview, on the northern beaches. There's an area where I go and sit in, in front of a water's edge. And I had a, a, a can of Tui's Dew. I don't know if you got that over there. I don't think you have. That's a real beer, mate. Not that uh, Tommy beer. And I'd have, I'd have one beer and we'd have a chat. We'd do about an hour. And then... He'd come back by email, um, what he'd written up, you know, what, what what I said, and it just sounded so good. I sent it off to a few mates, and then they'd come back saying, Spud, this sounds like you. And the way Adam's written this, um, like I said, it's his first ever book. Um, I've never written a book before. We didn't know what we were doing, but I'll tell you what, he's, um, his writing is exceptional, and the feedback has been fantastic. Would it have been, a, uh, either of you answer this one, how different a book would it have been if it was written sort of back in the day after you retired? Would it have been a very different book? Um, a lot's happened since then, mate. I, I think the uh, the Russell Crowe side of my life, uh, when I retired in um, 1999, and then the other years I had with Russell, there's probably two or three chapters about Russell in there, but his vision for me after um, I retired has just been amazing. You know, you know, I was over in England there in 90, um, 1998, playing for London Broncos. I had... I had a shocking year, and I just went there probably for the, the wrong reason. I should have backed myself and stayed here in the NRL, but I didn't. I went to London, um, and it was just so much different living over there. And it was bloody expensive, mate. I was over tight ass. Yeah, back then, it was three to one. Yeah, you're going to get a pizza, it was 20 quid. I'm thinking, mate, it's cost me 60 bucks. And they're going, Spud, don't convert. But it, 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 you look at things in life. I ended up going back to South in uh, in 1999. We got kicked out back, back at the end of that year. but Without going back, I wouldn't have met Russell Crowe and then my life sort of changed from there. And uh, was anything, uh, Adam, maybe you answered this one, was anything off limits? Was there anything you didn't, uh, Spud didn't want to go into or did you ask him about stuff that he, he didn't want to discuss? Uh, Steve, uh, firstly, it's all there. It's all in the book. There it is, Spud. <laughs> and uh, no, nothing was off limits. The big fella was happy to talk about everything. <laughs> Uh, except the 1997 grand final, but I did get it out of him eventually. <laughs> he's, tried to, he's tried to block that one out over the years, but um, we managed to coax some information out, especially after a few Tui's Reds down by the water. 
Uh, I usually had to cut those chats off after an hour because uh, you could tell he'd had a couple of reds. And um, but he was very open, and he, he was very open. It was something I'd always wanted to do a book, and um, I happened to bump into Spud a lot at Fox Sports when I was working there. And and then uh, when COVID came along, I suddenly wasn't at Fox Sports. Had a bit of time on my hands, so I gave him a call, and he was happy to proceed. And yeah, really happy with the result. Um, so has this been sort of a, um, a process of you reinventing yourself a little bit, Adam, since since you left Fox Sports? I mean, I guess I guess you kind of, kind of there's a big open road ahead of you, and you you've got a few directions you can take. Yeah, well, and I'm grateful to Spud for that opportunity because um, I think I spoke to you, Steve, a couple of times just uh, during that period when I was looking to work out what I was going to do, and and the book was always an idea that I had and. Spud was happy to go along with it. And yeah, it's, it's, it was a chance. COVID, there's not too many silver linings with COVID, but that was one of them. It gave me a chance to, to do a few projects I'd always wanted to knock over, and including a, a podcast uh, with the great Gary Jack, who's well known over there, of course, for his time at Salford and Sheffield. And uh, so we've been doing a podcast as well called The Fend. So I've done all these things courtesy of lockdown. Mark, um, what was it? I mean, Russell wrote the foreword uh, for it. Were there things with your time with Russell, I guess that you, you could have got a cheap headline out of a couple of anecdotes here or there. Um, did you have to sort of toss over in your mind, you know, am I going to discuss that? Am I going to discuss that? Should I leave it out? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, going back to what you said before, like uh, nothing was held back. I remember one of the interviews I did was with Michael Clark, who's had his differences in, um, in the game of cricket and what he's... And his opinion was, but is any, he said, is this all you? And I said, yes, it is. He goes, because it's hard to find a book that does that. There was no, it was, sure it was a ghostwriter, but it was all my words and the way Adam put it together. But regards to Russell's stuff, man, of course, I've got, you know, you, when you do a job like that, you, you don't sign anything, but it's a handshake agreement, you know, confidentiality. But, mate, I didn't have anything to hide from Russell. The experiences I had um, talking, is one of the chapters about when I, went on a uh, movie set to watch him uh, do Cinderella Man, to watch someone make It's quite amazing to watch um, someone be the best at their field. Uh, someone like Russell Crowe, he goes into character mode, you know, wait, he has to do this, he has to do that, he has to speak like a bloody, uh, you know, he has to do the whole lot all in one day and to see it all come together. But just the people I met, like to see someone like Ron Howard, Renee Zellwinger, I'm now watching Billions with that Paul Giamatti. Mate, he is a freak. He was outstanding in Cinderella. Man, now he's a, uh, he's a superstar on that show, Billions. What is the... Um, sorry, I coughed, so I, I, put, I put myself on mute. Um, what is the market like now for, um, um, for, for rugby league books? Is it a tough market, Adam? Was it hard to get uh, a deal? Um, well, we had to do a little bit of uh, looking around and thankfully Penguin Random House came to the party and we're grateful for that. And I think um, one of the guys in there is a bit of a Spud fan, which helped uh, get it across the line. And they've been fantastic and we're really happy with how it's come up. And uh, look, there's been a couple of league books this year, but I, I wouldn't say there's been uh, you know a stack of them. So it was, it's a pretty good time to launch. Yeah, yeah. And um, what about, um, you said a good time to launch. Is it available in, in shops or is People been buying it online, or what's the, what's the story there? Yeah, well, certainly it was online, firstly, because of lockdowns over here. There was no official launch, all the bookshops were shut, so the only option was to buy it online. Thankfully, we're coming out of lockdown now, and it's appearing in bookstores and um, flying off the shelves, Steve. How many, um, how, many uh-huh. hours, how many hours do you reckon <laughs> you spend on it, guys? Um, would, you, would you put it in 
you know, 100 hours, 50 hours, 30 hours. I mean, and just in interviews, I guess. Well, I think the crazy thing about it, Steve, is that um, I think there was around 95 to 100,000 words that I spoke and Adam actually put it to print. Um, the crazy thing about it is that um, there's, there's also an audio book and uh, another Australian actor, he's one of my clients, Michael Wayne Blair, he, did the, uh, he does the audio book and every night I actually put it on for 10 minutes and um, I don't know if it's my stories or T's voice, he puts me asleep every night. <laughs> but there's a couple of... So there's a couple of chapters um, that Dad said not much of a reader. So I'd send them to my mates, a couple of mentors and that. And then they come back and say, Spud, this is great. And I'll just write straight at them. There's a couple of chapters now. I actually have a giggle thing and I can't believe I said that. So, um, but yeah, like last week, I actually went to a couple of bookstores to see it in live. Uh, for someone who's always wanted to write a book, um, I got a bit of a chuff out of it, like seeing it on the, on the, on the bookshelf there and Lisa Wilkinson, she's um she's brought out a book recently, and I made sure my book was right next to hers. And then the, then there was another one that was best sells. I said to this bloke there, he's a fan. I said, mate, can I put my book in there? He goes, yeah, they'd rather so I put it right in the middle of best sellers. So I gave him a bit of a hand. <laughs> Mark, um, I guess when you're playing footy, um, you know that's one way of interacting with people. You know, people come to the game, they know you for TV, you get a few uh, corporate gigs, or you get. But now when you're talking to people, you know, our age, Adam and I, maybe I'm a bit older than Adam, but, you know, you're actually part of someone's childhood. You know what I mean? So you're actually part of their, their reminiscence, their, uh, their, their nostalgia. And so they see, yeah. so your relationship with, uh, I guess, uh, strangers, your fans, is different now, isn't it? I mean, people, you, they remember what they were doing when they watched you play, like you're in a, you were in a band back then as well. I was saying like you're in a band and people rem- hear yeah. the song and they remember what they were doing. Is that, a, is, is yeah. that an interesting dynamic? Yeah, no, it still is, mate. I still get a kick out of it when people stop me in the street and they say, I, I still love that hit you did on the Chiefs. That was 25 years ago. Like, seriously, it, just, it, was, a, it was a legacy. It, it caused a legacy and people still, it still blows me away, mate, when people come up and ask me for an autograph. Like, I was just a rugby league player from the Western suburbs of Sydney. I worked bloody hard. I wasn't the most gifted athlete. Um, playing first grade, but I'll tell you what, I've, I've worked hard and, I, and it's, I think it's sort of rubbed off on a lot of people. Um, you know, life is not meant to be easy, but if you have a go, things work out. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I interviewed Mark for uh, my book, uh, I spoke to, he was the last bloke I spoke to, and, you know, I, I'm sure you get asked about this in every interview you do, a publicity for this book, Mark, but obviously head knocks were a big thing that year for him and, and you know, he wouldn't have played in a lot of those games in... In '97, um, if he uh, under today's rules, and in fact, he probably might have retired early, like so many players are doing now, both over here and in Australia. Guys retiring early because of head knocks. Um, how do you kind of reflect on the changing nature of the sport, and is the sport in kind of existential danger of of because because of this, because of this awareness, and because of this you know imperative to protect guys with the head in, head knocks? I, I look at the players before me, Steve, that, who are my heroes, like the Terry Randalls and the Jeff Robinsons and the Ray Prices. Uh, mate, they put their body on line. And, and I took the same adage of going on the field, like, and Paul Harrigan as well, as a badge of honour not to ever go off the field. Mate, a couple of times I was crook. But I was some, in some ways also I was a bit worried about my dad jumping the fence and kicking out the arse. That's his, <laughs> his motto was, never show you hurt, always get up. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Chief was the same thing. And um, the 
game these days now, mate, as soon as you start wobbling from left to right, they take you off the field. Um, it had to be done. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. But I think since, since that movie Concussion, uh, the league are worried, mate. They're worried that a court, a court case will go through and it will cost them millions and millions of dollars. And if someone gets through with one case, it will open up a can of worms. I guarantee it will. Yeah. Have you experienced any... Sorry, Adam, but have you experienced any long-term effects of those knocks, Mark? Uh, no, I, I, I've been talking to a couple of brain doctors, one up in, uh, in Newcastle who studies uh, is, is high on the brain injury stuff. Ian Roberts, who I played footy with, um, and I got him as a mate. I actually went and had a test, oh, mate, it must have been five years ago when, when he was really, really involved with it. And uh, it, it, it quite, you know, I've got no effects at the moment, no. Um, but I, I look the way I used to play, and and this thing about your brain, mate, it's only it's not a it's just like a it's only surrounded by a bit of a bit of a bone and and, and maybe a little bit of muscle up there, and no doubt uh, I've got some sort of I can uh, you know this disease they've got, but um, hopefully in a, you know, in say five or ten years it'd be a better way than finding out about it until you're dead. And then they look, then they open up and say, oh, you had it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not something. It's not something that concerns you, Mark. You're not worried about it. You're just curious, I guess. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm curious. Um, it's, yeah, there's, it's just these guys now. Um, yeah, but then again, they, they do the HIA thing, and now the now the, the teams. Like, there's always a route somewhere. There's always a way of getting around it, and and we've seen a couple of cases this year, um, just to re- yeah, replace players, but. At the end of the day, it's, um, you know, I, I just look at uh, families and kids wanting to play this great game of rugby league. My thing is this, and I've said it that many times, the league, you know, I know the AFL really hit our area like from going to school and go, go, to, go to every school and give a kid a headgear, okay? And have all different different colours. Like the, the cool headgears now, uh, Carla Pong used to wear it. Thurston used to wear a headgear. It was all different colour. He's given away each week. Because if you make it interesting, kids will wear headgear. I reckon it's a major thing before they, at least up the age of maybe 17. I used to wear it when I played rugby league. Um, but for me, it was more about confidence. You know, you, you, you get a bit of a head knock and you put it on. But then just, because sometimes in rugby league, you put your head in the wrong way. It just happens. Um, some people can get away with it. Some people can't. So uh, I just think that'd be a major thing for the league to do together around the schools and, and give these kids something to wear and be cool about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Adam, when, with your news sense and your journalistic training, and we'll finish this part of the um, chat very shortly and just go into a different section, but you would have gone into these chats with Mark with news angles in mind. You would have gone into things going, there's five or six things we've got to hit in these conversations because they're the things yeah. that are newsworthy. And concussion would have been one of them, I guess. Well, sure. were there, were there other, were there, what were the things that when you went to these meetings you went, by the time we've had all, we've, I've finished all my interviews, I have to have got Spud talking about this, this, this and this, you know. Firstly, Steve, is, um, hey, Spud, are you driving interstate or something? That's, you, yeah, well, you, that's a long distance drive there, mate, isn't it? Yeah, no, well, mate, where I live, it's what they call God's country <laughs> and it does take me a while to get there, but I've actually pulled over now. Uh, Steve, answering your question, yeah, there's, obviously there's a lot of things we had to discuss and yeah, concussion was one of them because he was involved in so many brutal clashes. You only have to look back at those showdowns with the Chief. I mean, I grew up hating Manly, but I never missed one of those clashes, Chief versus Spud. It was must-see and both of them came off second best numerous times. So that was, we had to talk about concussion, we had to talk about 
uh, down the track. Do you want to donate your brain to science? It's all in the book. Um, did you see the book? Did I show you that? There it is. There, yes. Spud. But that was, you know, Super League. We're to talk about that. Fascinating what he had to say about how all those negotiations went down uh, at league headquarters. And uh, just um, even just, just coming through the ranks, how he ended up at Penrith is quite fascinating as well in terms of he should have been playing for the Eels, but um, was passed over and he used that as motivation. So there's a lot of different angles. Now, guys, um, we're going to finish in a minute um, and we're going to talk about specifically about end of 96 and 97. For um, And this show, Spud, has as many viewers as you helped me have. So you guys share it. Oh, we have a massive it. audience, massive audience. So, yeah, um, um, <laughs> I just like there were a couple of chapters in the book and probably one of my favourite chapters was when I, I was very fortunate to get Bob Fulton to do a, a chapter on me. Um, and before his passing, it was just like two months. No one really knew Bozo was crook, and to get it to get that chapter was absolutely sensational. But now, my main one was also to get um, uh, Chief to do his own chapter out here for our listeners out there. It's, most times you talk about you know, um, you know the instances what happened. Well, sure, I talk about my vision of when I played the Chief, but we actually asked him about his vision, and I said, mate, don't hold back. And it sounds and it reads fantastic. It was um, it was a great pick up for the book. Fantastic. I'm sure everyone wants to grab hold of one. Maybe I could sell them here in England. Maybe you could send me a box and sell them here in England. Okay, well, I'm going to finish this part of the chat now. So thanks, uh, everyone, for listening and watching.